Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn to the book of James chapter 5. Book of James chapter 5. As you're turning there, in these weeks, uh, these first couple of weeks of this new year, now all of a sudden we're in February, right? Where did January go? That's how quickly it goes. But in these first number of weeks, with the exception being last week with the Celebration Sunday, we've been looking at prayer, this wonderful ability that God has given us to come before Him and bring our needs to Him and bring our rejoicing to Him and, and commune with Him friend with friend. I, I love a reference in the book of Hebrews, and I've referenced it before. It says we, 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 have, we, we can find grace to help us in our time of need. We can come before his throne boldly and find grace to help us in our time of need. And, and we have for these number of weeks, in fact, some of you have, have been fasting and praying. We, we encouraged you, invited you to take part in that, and that for many that concluded this last week, but, but many of you have grown even in this last month. And, and I say that not just uh, an assumption, but from what many of you have shared with me, that you have grown, grown deeper, not only in your relationship with the Lord, but in this gift of prayer. And some of you have, uh, uh, that I know of, and perhaps many that I do not, but you've, you've sensed a greater intimacy with the Lord, a, a spiritual intimacy with the Lord, and a closeness with Him. Maybe it's been like this. Maybe you, uh, you wake up in the morning, and instead of reaching over and checking your email or text messages or something that came in during the night or turning on the TV and watching the morning news and see what happened on the other side of the world or on this side of the world while you slept, instead of doing that, all of a sudden you found yourself just talking with the Lord. Or maybe you've been driving down the road and, and you've noticed that, that you, you, you long for just that, that connection with Him in prayer. That happens as we give ourselves to prayer. And so I encourage you, I'm going to share again this morning, this will be the last in this really four-message series on prayer uh, I'm going to share again, but I encourage you to continue to be used of the Lord. I mentioned this, I think, three weeks ago. I'm a little bit down on the phrase or the, the, the title, prayer warrior. Now, I believe that God has prayer warriors, and there, there are people that the Lord uses, but sometimes when we use that phrase, we, we think that it's some kind of a, an exclusive thing that is just for a few, and I'm not one of those. That's for that man or that woman who's been serving Jesus for a really long time, and they're just a prayer warrior. We kind of we, we, we set them up, and we think that that's this unique distinction. Listen, it is God's desire to use every person here as a prayer warrior. That is not beyond what God has called you to. He calls, gives us all the ability. Think of this. We have the ability to come before the very presence, in, into the very presence. Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, we can come into the very presence of God Almighty. And we can bring our needs to Him. And we can share our hearts with Him. 
and, and, and we can speak to him and he can speak to us in a very, very unique way. And so I encourage you, uh, uh, as you have been stretched, many of you in prayer continue to be used of the Lord. Prayer is one of the most important things we can do because it's one of the things that Jesus did the most. You understand in the Gospels that that was not given to us just as filler to identify things that happened in Jesus' life, but also to give us an example. So one of the things that Jesus did the most was he would, he would spend time in prayer with his Father in heaven. And if Jesus needed to do it, how much more so do I need to do it and do you need to do it? So I encourage you. James chapter 5, you have it in front of you, also instructs us on prayer. James chapter 5, verse 13, begins this way. Is anyone among you in trouble? Uh, some of your translations may say uh, suffering or may use the word afflicted. Is anyone among you in trouble? Period. And then three words, let him pray. It's imply they're hurt as well. It's, it's, it's generic. Let, let that person, let him pray, it says. Now, it's, it's pretty clear, isn't it? Pretty direct. It's like, you know, is any one of you going through some troubles or experiencing some troubles or some afflictions or some, some degree of suffering? If that's you, pray. Pretty direct. Now, you understand, it does use the word there, anyone, but it doesn't mean anyone. Oh, what does that mean? Well, it, it, it does mean anyone, but this is written to believers, just a few verses before, it uses the word brothers. Uh, earlier, it talks about the family of God and how we're in relationship. This is directed to Christians. The book of James was written to Christians, people who have experienced a new relationship with Christ, who are in, in relation with him. And James here, directed by the Holy Spirit, is saying, any one of you who are in Christ, if you have a relationship with Christ, that's understood, if you have a relationship with Christ and you go through some kind of suffering or affliction or trouble, your response is to pray. They had troubles, these people, these early Christians, these, these people that were then and people now, they had troubles. Some of, what were some of the troubles that they had? Well, they were troubles that are common to everyone. Right? There, there were people then in James's time, as there are people now, who had uh, problems in their family. You ever have, don't raise your hands, but you ever have problems in your family? Like there's, there's some tension or there's some kind of a conflict or there's some estrangement or there's some breaking? That's a trouble, isn't it? Or, or some of these people maybe had troubles in their marriage and, and, and there was a, a, a separation or there was a conflict or there was some hurt or there was some resentment or there was some wounds that had happened and needed to be healed. That was, that, that was common to people then and it's often common with people now. There were things in their bodies and we'll get to that here, but there, there are all those kinds of troubles that are just unique because life is challenging, but also these early believers were having troubles that were unique to Christians. When we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, suddenly we are called to a standard that is different than the standards of the world around us. And, and we begin to experience a degree of suffering or affliction 
that a person who has not committed their life to Christ does not experience. He's writing to these Christians and he's saying, some of you are going through some sufferings. There were people that were there in the early church during this time, and of course still today, who were who were being imprisoned, people who were suffering, people who were being beaten because they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that all fits under this category. And the response here is very, very clear. Before they ran to anyone else, they were to run to the Lord and they were pray. Is any of you suffering? Are any of you in, a, in afflictions? Let that person pray. I'll tell you, I'm very grateful for for my friends, and I'm very grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for so many of you, the relationship that we have. I'm so very grateful for people who have wisdom and direction, people who have insight and experience. But let me tell you something. When we face troubles, may the first person you go to is the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. Sometimes we're, not quick, we're, we're quick not to do that. We're, sometimes we fail to do that, and instead of running to the Lord, we run to someone else. And I thank God for others, but may we run to him. So if you're going through something, so in, in this text here, these verses here in, in James chapter 5, there are several things that we're called to do to pray, and this is one of them. When we're in troubles, we, we are to pray. Verse 13 continues, it says, is anyone happy? Or another translation says rejoicing. Let them sing songs of praise. It's, it, that's kind of the opposite of troubles, isn't it? I mean, the first part of verse 13 is if you have troubles, <laughs> pray. If you, if you don't have troubles or you're, you're happy, you're rejoicing, something good happens, then let that person praise. It's, it's, you kind of see the flip side here. Now, have you noticed that, that oftentimes when we do go through troubles, we do run to the Lord as we're called to, but oftentimes when things are going very well, we can sometimes overlook the Lord. That we, we treat the Lord sometimes like uh, an emergency room or a doctor. When we go through hard times, we run to Him. That's good. We should. But then when things are really going well, we just kind of ignore, we can sometimes ignore him. And here it says, if you're going through hard times, and we all experience hard times, then run to the Lord. If you're experiencing a good time, then also run to the Lord. And it says here, and praise him, or rejoice, sing songs of praise. See, praise is, is, not, is, 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 is a kind of a prayer. A few moments ago, we were standing across this congregation, we were lifting up our hands, and we were lifting up our voices, and we were, we were singing songs, but what were we really doing? We were talking to God, and we were saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I declare you. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. Lord, I'm trusting you for what I'm going through. When we were praising, we were praying. And so in, in this text here, just write it. Right at the very beginning, in verse 13, it says, if you're going through challenging times, run to him and pray. If you're going through really good times, then run to him and thank him in prayer with praise. Thank him for what he's done. So already here in verse 13, two things that we are to do, our response is, is prayer. 
Now, does that mean that the only time that we praise the Lord is when we're happy? Absolutely not. Psalm chapter 42, verse 11 says that even when our souls are, quote, downcast and disturbed, we are to put our hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. So don't, don't look at this and go, well, the only time that I am to praise Him is when things are going really well. No, it says, even when we're downcast, yet I will go to Him and I will praise Him. Psalm 34, verse 1. Psalms, many of the Psalms were written uh, while David, later King David, while, while da- he'd already been anointed king, but many of them were written by David, anointed or directed by the Holy Spirit, but he was going through a great deal of suffering at that time. Many of the Psalms that we sing or the Psalms that we read or even have memorized came out of that very difficult time. Psalm 34 verse 1 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So are you going through troubles? Pray. Are you going through a really good time? Pray. Are you going through a really bad time? Pray. Pray. Look at James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. It just continues on. It says this, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. Verses 14 and 15. Now, here it's talking about their physical bodies. Are are you in trouble? Run to the Lord. Are are, are things going really well? Run to the Lord. Are you sick? Are you suffering in in your physical body? Uh, are, are you facing some kind of a diagnosis, a, a disease, something that is by modern science or even then or now irreparable, that has no cure, or that does has a cure, but, but it, it's not happened? Are you facing this? Then we're directed to run to the Lord and we are to pray. Now, understand this was not a new thing. This was not like, you know, in James's time, which is a number of decades after even Jesus ascended into heaven. Um, this, is, this, was, this was not something that was new at that moment. You read through the Old Testament and you will see, see many uh, examples of people who were sick with one thing or another and God miraculously healing them. Even to the point in the Old Testament of people who were dead and which is like kind of the ultimate right, disease or sickness, you die, and people being raised from the dead. You see that in the Old Testament. You read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, 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 the stories or the accounts of Jesus. You read through the Gospels and you will find Jesus healing people uh, of so many diseases. I've mentioned before that at the end of the book of John, it says that if everything that Jesus said or did were recorded, all the books in the world could not contain it. So there are, there are diseases that are not, and events that are not recorded in Scripture that Jesus still healed. I, I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven, the, the many things that Jesus did. Maybe then we'll find the rest of the story. But I know this, there wasn't a disease that Jesus encountered that was too big for him. There wasn't an injury that was so severe that it was beyond his power. And it says here 
that we are to run to him in prayer. You read through the book of, of, of Acts, which is the history book of the early church, and you'll find those first Christians praying for all kinds of people in all kinds of places who had all kinds of diseases or injuries. You have people that are so sick with so many things, and whether it was in a marketplace or along a busy road or in the city gates or in the temple or or in a synagogue, you still, in people's homes, you see people being physically healed as people would lay their hands upon them. An example of this is real early on in the book of Acts, early on in that history. In Acts chapter 3, it records how two of the disciples, this is just after Jesus had ascended into heaven and after the day of Pentecost when God had sent his Holy Spirit, it says that they were walking through Jerusalem and, and suddenly uh, they encounter a man who's crippled and is, is begging for money and the man asks for money and Peter and John who are standing there before him, they said, they said to him, we don't have what you want. The man wanted money. Uh, Peter said, we don't have silver and we don't have gold, but what we do have, we give to you. And then it says that he reached down and said, in the name of Jesus, walk. And he pulled the man up. There was no oil involved on that occasion, but there was the, the name of Jesus and the power of God was demonstrated. And early on in this, shortly after the birth of the church, which was the day of Pentecost, you have people who are being used of God in praying for other people and they are healed. And so you see this, people believing God for miraculous healing in the name of Jesus. Some people say that some people say that this is no longer in effect. Some people say that that, that healing power of God uh, was limited to just that first century, and that as those disciples, those first disciples died off, then the ability to for physical healing in the name of Jesus died off. And yet here, even at this point, some of the disciples, maybe many of the disciples, had died. And yet there's this very clear directive that if you are to sit, if you are sick, you are to call for the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, and they are to come and they are to anoint you with oil. I have here, uh, we prayed for some people earlier, this is, a, this is a vial of oil. Maybe some of you have wondered, you're new here or maybe you're visiting here today and you're wondering why were they doing that. Let me tell you, there's nothing special in this vial. This was not, you know, created, this does not have any um, powers within itself, but it is symbolic of the power of God. You see that again throughout the Bible. This is symbolic of the power of God. And when people in faith step forward and say, I don't fully understand it, but I know what it says there in James chapter 5, that, if I, that I am sick and I want to be prayed over in the name of Jesus and anointed with oil, when people do that, I have seen wonderful, miraculous healings and demonstrations of God's power. I've seen this. This was not limited to the first century. Jesus, just before he ascended into heaven, in one of the accounts of the Great, of the great Commission, it, it says that Jesus said that you are to pray for people for healing, that that continues to today. I want to thank those of you who have stepped forward. I want to thank those of you who have, over the years, here and in other places, not only 
asked for prayer, but prayed over other people for physical healing because I know that Jesus still heals. I won't take the time to share my testimony, only to say this, that I literally am standing here today because of the healing and delivering power of Jesus Christ. There are three distinct occasions in my life that I know of that Jesus reached down and touched me. I am alive today and I am walking today because someone in faith believing prayed over me and God healed my body. And I say that because I've experienced it, but I say it more because God's word says we should do this. Now here's, here's the, the dilemma, and I think maybe this is why some people say it's not for today. Because there have been many occasions where I've prayed over people and, and, and they were not healed. And I cannot explain that. I don't know the reasons for it. <laughs> I've, I've said, man, I've prayed over people and then two weeks later I have their funeral. That has happened. Uh, and, and I wish it weren't the case. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every time that we prayed over someone, and I can't answer that, I can't answer the exact why, I, 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 that's, that's stuff for another time, but, but, but I do know this, we are called to pray for people, and we're called here in this scripture, we're called that when we are sick, we are to pray. So here's now three occasions. When we're in trouble, Pray. When we're rejoicing, things are good, pray. When we're sick, we pray. We run to Jesus. The end of verse 15 and into verse 16 reads this way. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Some of you here this morning began following Jesus um, in, in, in recent years. Um, some of you have been serving the Lord for much longer. Uh, and regardless of whether you've been serving Jesus for a long time or a relatively short period of time, we all have this in common. Since coming to Christ, everyone, whether it was a long time ago or a little, since coming to Christ, every one of us have sinned. If you have not sinned since you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to meet afterwards and you're going to pray over me because you're special. You've thought things, done things, said things, <laughs> smoked things, drank things, injected things, went places, did things, saw things that, that God's word says are, are wrong. We've had attitudes that were ungodly. We've stated words that were cruel or We've done things that are violent or vile or perverse. But Jesus forgives. Jesus forgives. Let me read this again. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So one of the reasons why we pray is to ask him for forgiveness. I don't, I don't know what happened this last week, this last month, this last year. I, I, I don't know what, it, so please, I, I, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not a, I guess I am assuming because, you know, enough period of time goes by. Maybe something happened this, this last week or this last month or this last year. 
and, and you're, you feel horrible, like, God, I can't believe I did that. What, I, that. what was I thinking? It was wrong. It was, it was wrong. I know it was wrong. Your Holy Spirit in me is grieved at what I've done. Don't, don't stay there. Don't stay there. Don't stay in that place. Just come to Jesus and pray and simply pray this, Lord, forgive me. I've blown it. I've blown it many. I've, I've sinned so many times. Maybe I've been in this way so many times, but I'm not going to stay in that unconfessed place. I confess it to you. Call it what it is. Say, I have done this and it's sin. Call it that. I mean, get alone by yourself and call it that. Confess it to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it says here, this is a little bit different, isn't it? It says here that we're to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we may be healed. I want to be very clear on something. This is not telling us that to be forgiven, we must first confess our sins to another person. That's what some people look at this and go, well, I, to be forgiven, I have to confess my sins to someone, and then they pray over me. That, that, that's a misunderstanding of this. In fact, some churches have taken that and, and said that that is a requirement. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There have been many times where I have sinned and I just, I run to Jesus and I say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for doing that, saying that. Forgive me, Lord. No one had to wave their hand over me. But there have also been times in my life and perhaps in your life when something was so strong and I said, Lord, I, I not only need to pray, but I want someone else to be praying with me. There have been occasions in my life where I came to someone and I said, I need God not only to forgive me, but to deliver me. And, and, and those are some powerful moments. Uh, I saw some powerful moments in my life. I remember one time years ago, I was a single man, and uh, I had, I had uh, done some things that I, just, I, I knew were ungodly. And I, and I went to a, a trusted brother. And I said, would you, would, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you. I know I don't need to, but I trusted him. And, and I want to share this with you, and I want to be accountable to you, and I want you to pray for me. And I found that when we prayed together, and I found that as he prayed for me, and, and was very real with me, I mean, he's like a, like a there's no blood between us, but he's like a brother. I, I, found, I found a breaking and a healing in me that I had never experienced before. And so when I read this text here, that, we, that, that if we've sinned, that we, that we are to, to come and, and confess our sins one to another and pray for one another so that when we may be healed. It says in the book of De Deuteronomy that one can defeat a thousand, but two can defeat tens of thousands. Which means that we not only add our efforts, but we multiply our efforts. One of the most wonderful things that we can do is to, is to pray for others, to be accountable to others, and to bear one another's burdens with each other. Confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we may be healed. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 reads this way, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Jesus Christ. 
I know that when we share our burdens and when we share our sins with another person and we say, would you pray for me? God does a healing work. I mentioned how that I did that uh, with me. For many years, I was involved in a ministry almost exclusively to, to uh, single men. Uh, for about five years, I did that. And, and I, I, I tell you, it, it, I saw some in, uh, wonderful breakthroughs in people's lives. And now, 30 years later, when I see them or hear of them, I rejoice in what God did a long time ago as people shared and confessed sins to me. I didn't wave my hand over them. I didn't go and tell them to do you know, certain things. But we prayed together and we saw victories. And I say, God, do it again. So if you, if you are seeing, a, uh, if you are seeing a, a repeat in something, there have been things that people have shared with me. There are some things that you've shared with others. Don't all come to me, but, but find a brother or a sister. If you're a man, find another brother in Christ. If you're a sister, find a sister in Christ. If you're married and, and your spouse is a believer, then you go to them and you have that relationship and there will be a powerful healing. But what do we do? We go and we pray for each other. It's a holy responsibility. The end of verse 16 tells us this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I like that. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This tells us the importance of remaining in the right relationship with God. It says It qualifies it. It says, the prayers of the righteous. You know that one of the reasons why you remain in close fellowship with God is not just for your relationship with Him, but so that God can mightily use you as you're in right relationship with Him, that God uses you in prayer. I am absolutely convinced that there are people that here this morning or people listening to this message who God desperately wants to use in prayer and the reason that you're some some of you are facing some overwhelming temptation right now and you're tempted to give in and i encourage you this morning do not surrender to the enemy because god wants to use you in prayer he wants to use you use you in powerful ways and in effective ways prayers of the righteous the prayers of the righteous it's powerful and it's effective you want an effective prayer life you want a powerful prayer life, then you remain in close relationship with God. If you, if you fail, if you sin, you run to Him and say, Lord, forgive me, but I want to be in right standing with You. We're in right relationship with Him. Verses 17 and 18 gives us an example of a righteous person who prayed. I love how the Bible gives us, you know, case in point. And, and here it is, demonstration, uh, object number one. It says in verse 17, Elijah was a human being even as we are. Let me pause there for a moment. They knew about Elijah. These were, these were good Jewish people, many of them. And then they came to Christ. But, but, but they knew about Elijah. He was one of these people that were powerfully used of God and, and worked in, in signs and in wonders and, and who called the nation back to God. We looked at Elijah and Elisha a lot this last summer here at AFA. But, but, but they knew about Elijah. But directed by the Holy Spirit, it says, you remember Elijah. He was a guy like us. And in other words, they said he's just a person. Just a man, he emphasizes that. 
But it says then, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. I'll tell you what, that's a pretty dramatic prayer. Somebody that can be powerfully used of God. Remember the verse before it, it says, the prayers of the righteous person are powerful and effective. And then it gives an example of a righteous person whose prayers were powerful and effective. God wants to use us (coughs) in ways like this. He wants to use us in ways that will affect not only our lives or our families, but the world around us. And I say, God, do it again. Elijah was something special because God used him, but he was just a regular guy like we are. And yet he was used by the power of God. God, do it again. This is why I said I don't like that term. I like the term, but I just don't like to make it so exclusive. Prayer warrior. Every one of us are called to be prayer warriors. We walk with Christ to be powerfully and effectively used. Years ago, years ago, I, I had the privilege of, of pastoring a guy by the name of Marvin Ham. Kenny's dead. Kenny, wave your hand. Kenny's dead. He's been with Jesus for like 20 years now. Not Kenny, his dad. <laughs> he told me a story. I used to visit him. He was kind of a shut-in. He lived up in Barnard, and, and I didn't get out. It's Diana's grandfather, Kevin's grandfather. Um, and, and, uh, and he told me, he told me, maybe he told you, he, he told me that one time he saw a storm coming and, and he had the crop that was full and it was ready to harvest. And he said, he stood on the corner of his proper property. I would assume the Northwest cause that's where it usually comes from. He stood on the Northwest and he stood there and he says, God, he says, not here. And he saw the clouds part and you're going, wow, that's dramatic. Yeah, it is. But you know what? There was nothing special about Marvin, right? But he loved God, and he trusted God. And I say, you know what? That happened like, I don't know, he's been gone, and he was old when he died, so that probably happened like 150 years ago or something like that. But I say, God, do it again. How many of us, because we're in right relationship with God, we can stand in front of our family and say, God, not here, not in this family. Not here. How many of us, we need to stand up. We hear these things in the news. We hear these things that are happening in our nation. We hear these things that are happening in our state. And we need to be people who stand up in in prayer and in action, but mostly in prayer, stand up and say, Lord, not here. Not here. Not here. We're quick to do a lot of things, but I tell you, more than anything, we are called to be people who intercede on behalf of these needs around us. And if God can do it to a storm cloud with a lot of hail in it, then God can use us today. God could use Elijah and Marvin and a whole bunch of other people. I say, God, do it again. The prayers of the righteous. And examples given here are powerful and effective. I believe verse 19 gives us yet one more time in which we are to pray. Now, you won't find the words prayer 
or pray here in this text in verse 19. But it identifies a time when we need to pray for others. Look at verse 19. It reads this way. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring, back, bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. There are people that you know, followers of Jesus Christ. They might be members of your family. They may be a person who sits or sat down the pew from you. They may be a person at work that you know. They claim faith in Jesus Christ, but they've gone through a period of wandering. They're, they're walking away from Christ. They're heading in the opposite direction. They're, they, they've, they've given themselves to something or someone that is ungodly, and, 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 you just, and your heart is broken. Let me tell you what you do, what you're supposed to do, and what you're not supposed to do. Number one, Stop talking about them, and number two, start praying for them. If you hear of someone, you don't just wonder what they're doing or wonder how they're going or how they're doing. You call them, you, first of all, you pray for them, and secondly, you contact them. I know some of you are in a class, talked about this at length, but listen, we are our brother's keeper. We have a holy responsibility. And if you know of someone or you're aware of someone <coughs> who, who is walking away from Christ, who once claimed faith in Christ, it is your holy obligation to bring them before the Lord in prayer. And then to go to them and say, listen, I've been praying for you. I still love you. That's not going to change. God's, we're we're going to get through this together. I thank God and there are some here today, there are some here right now, I'm not going to call you out. I, I only call you out if you've been dead for 20 years. That's the only time I ever point you out. But there are some here this morning that you went through a period of time of wandering and you, you walked away from Christ, but I'll tell you what, somebody prayed and somebody loved and there's still somebody out there that you know and you have a holy obligation to pray for them and to bring them back in. And so we see this here. There's just this, this brief section, and this, this time, what we're, call, we're called to pray. When you face troubles, times of suffering, pray. I got home last night about 7 o'clock. I walked in the door, and I kid you not, this is absolutely true. Within three minutes, I found out my wife told me something that she saw on Facebook Messenger, some tragic news about some dear friends of ours several states away. I, I, got a, I got a text message of some tragic news of people that my wife and I used to pastor in, in Minnesota. I, 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 we had, my wife had received a phone call earlier uh, yesterday from a, from a, uh, uh, from a, uh, uh, a, a, a family member who's, who's hurting deeply. And, 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 then, and, then, and, and then my wife, and then my wife says, oh, there's this, this letter on, on your desk. And I went and I read the letter. It too was not very good news. I was, I was like, I'm, I'm going to go back to the office. It's safe there. Trouble. Trouble. When you encounter trouble, what do you do? Pray. When you encounter these things, pray. Run to Jesus. <laughs> Seek Him. Again, when you face troubles and times of suffering, pray. When things are well and good, pray. When you're sick or someone else is sick, pray. When you sin, pray. When someone else sins and they share it with you, pray with them and for them. 
when you encounter things that are bigger than you are, storms that are huge, problems that are, are beyond what you can even comprehend. Pray. When a brother or sister in Christ wanders away from him, pray. Folks, we have a lot to pray for. This is why just a few weeks ago I said prayer in the life of a, of a follower of Jesus Christ is not an option. It is an essential. If you're going to get through this, this life uh, and, and, and you're going you're to walk successfully and fruitfully with the Lord Jesus Christ, this is not something that we just think a few people do. It's something that every person does. Pray. Pray. Now we're going to close this time and I want to pray for you. And just in just a few moments we're going to transition for a few moments and we're going to remember the sacrifice of Jesus that made it all possible. But before we do that it's very important that I do this with some of you. I've been talking about praying for people who have wandered away from Christ. I've been talking about how we are to ask God to forgive us of our sins when we're in Christ. I've also said that we are to maintain a real close relationship with Christ so that we can be powerfully and effectively used by the Lord Jesus Christ. I also mentioned in that first verse, in verse 13, that these were followers of Jesus Christ and it was written, directed to them. But perhaps this morning, there's someone here today, it's the most, one of the most important things that I can do, perhaps there's someone here today you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You question if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you desire to have a relationship with him. Would you please bow your heads across this sanctuary? I want to give you the opportunity. If there's someone here this morning that would even, even before we, we, we remember <clears throat> Jesus' body and blood and the sacrifice of both, if there is someone here today you'd like to accept Jesus as your Savior, I want to I pray with you. See, it starts with prayer. It starts with a prayer of simply saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Is there anyone here with no one looking around, but I, I want to identify you and I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here today that say, yeah, that's me. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's very important that I, I do this. Is there anyone here today? And on the main level, is there anyone in the balcony that say, yeah, that's me. Well, there's a lot of people that you know who do not have that yet. So, Lord, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters here today. Lord, by uh, with no hands raised, I'm, I'm trusting and I'm believing, Jesus, that you are, that, that everyone here today knows you and is serving you. And, and Lord, I ask this, that you would use us in prayer in greater and in greater ways for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to remain seated. Would the gentlemen who are going to help me, if you would step forward and let's begin distributing these elements. Uh, some instructions while this is happening. Hear me. Just a few points, very important. Everyone hear me. Number one, as I stated earlier, this is for every person who is a follower of Jesus Christ. This may be your first Sunday here. You may not be, a, perhaps you're not a member. 
If you're a follower of Christ, we invite you and encourage you to partake. So please, if, you're, if you love Jesus and, and you have a relationship with him, go ahead and take these elements. Number two, would you go ahead, gentlemen, you can go ahead and begin. Number two, um, uh, would you please hold them until everyone has been served and then we're going to receive it together. Number three, uh, would you in these moments ahead spend some time in prayer? You're going to hear some music. You can sing along if you'd like. But more than anything, I want this, this to be a time of reflection and in a time of confession. And if there's anything that you want to bring before the Lord in prayer right now, do so right where you're seated. Number four, very important. Hear me, everyone here. Number four, if for some reason you do not receive communion this morning, but you're a follower of Jesus Christ, as your pastor, I want you to talk with me this week. I want you to call me up this week and say, Pastor, I did not receive communion last Sunday. I want to pray with you. We're going to talk that out. There's some here this morning, you've been a part of this church for a long time, but you've never received communion, or it's been a very, very long time. I want you to experience this. I want you to do this. And if you do not, I want you to contact me this week. We're going to pray about it. We're going to talk about it. Because I want you to do what Jesus commanded. All right? So take these, hold them until everyone's received, and then we'll receive it together. Thank you.
Apostle Paul, many years after Jesus' death and resurrection, is reflecting back. He knew about this. He was one of those people whose life had been changed through the power of the cross, like us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, writing to a church so far away from, body of believers so far away from Jerusalem, so many years removed. But they came back again to that Lord's table. Directed by the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote this, I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had when he had broken and, when he, and he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me would you take that in your hand let's pray Jesus I thank you for this bread that represents your body body that you so willingly gave that suffered that was broken so that we could be healed from our brokenness and from the spiritual death that encompassed every one of us. I thank you for giving your body, even the stripes that you bore on your back that the book of Isaiah says, by those stripes we have received our healing. We thank you for your body, the brokenness, and we remember you. Let's receive this together, please. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you drink Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, it has been many centuries since you gave that directive. To remember you, we do that now. So far away from that place, so far removed from that time and yet the power of the cross and the power of your shed blood has not diminished in the least it's for us it's your blood that purchased our salvation it's your blood that washes away our sins and we thank you and we remember you we love you Jesus let's receive this cup together ones who often make faith complicated. You made it very simple and you paid the price. 
it's all about you. You're the one who bought, who paid for our salvation. And we thank you. Would you stand with me, please, across the sanctuary? Now, Lord, as we go from this place, we rejoice. We celebrate. We celebrate because of what you've done. May you bless us. May you use us. May we run whatever, whatever we encounter. May we run to you in prayer. We love you in Jesus' name. If you believe it this morning, say amen. God bless you. Go in the power and in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you this morning.